Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Friends, uh, last night we began our celebration of our patron, St. Nicholas of Tolentino. And um, Saturday evening we had over 450 parishioners attend Mass. And then eventually for the party outside, we had over 550 people show up, which is wonderful. And uh, <clears throat> we did it the old-fashioned Catholic way. We had a party <clears throat> out in the parking lot as they did a long, long time ago when the church would be the center of a city and um, all the activities would be in around the church. So it was good to have this again. It was good for everyone to come together and be community. And my friends, uh, on this occasion, um, as you know, we have a first-class relic now of St. Nicholas of Tolentino, and we've never had this before. And um, I remember uh, in my prayers and fondness, uh, Father Guestino. Father Guestino is the pastor of the Basilica, of St. Nicholas in Tolentino, Italy. And uh, it was in the five, five years in the making to try and get the relic, uh, not just for a visit, to be permanently here, which this belongs to our community now. And uh, my friends, uh, it's not easy to get a first-class relic. It usually has to go through the hands of Rome. And uh, in this case, they came directly from the hands of those who administer and have his body, meaning Nicholas. So. Um, it's short of being miraculous to get it this way. And I also uh, remember Benedetta Reese. Benedetta Reese is a, a staff member of St. Um, Michael's in Olympia. She's also my friend, and she's in Italy. She's Italian. Uh, she's visiting her mom. And uh, through her um, translations and her working with Father Guestino, she was able to communicate uh, to the pastor there what we were doing. And um, so I remember her and her efforts for us to have this. My friends, I bring all of this up because our readings today speak about community, and uh, in particular, what are we supposed to do in our community when someone's misbehaving? That's what this is about. And uh, I wanna, I, we can apply the readings in a universally and huge, or we can do what Matthew did. Matthew was speaking to his community. He was not talking to Johannian community. He wasn't talking to the. He wasn't talking to Mark's community. He was talking to his community. So obviously, there's a problem in his community, and so I want to approach the readings this way. And uh, my friends, uh, of late, the past couple of weeks, I've been watching our national new um, uh, the weather service, and uh, we have the national weather service. We had NOAA, and they've been pretty busy. Uh, with tropical depressions and tropical storms and hurricanes. And it's their job to warn. They warn people and, um, about hurricanes and flash floods. And um, uh, this organization is not excused from their duty on the presumption that people will not listen to them. <laughs> and I also watched the news reports of people who were not going to listen to them. Uh, they got upset. Some people can't go anywhere. Uh, because financially they cannot go anywhere. Others have decided, well, I'm sticking it out. And uh, uh, so even though there's all these different reactions to the warning, uh, they must do what they're supposed to. They're supposed to warn. And the scriptures today make us aware of our responsibilities as Christians toward each other in our community. Storms arise in the lives of our people. And we have to love and we have to interact with this. And uh, the National Weather Service, they can't prevent hurricanes or floods. They can only give warnings, which are early enough to get people out of harm's way. 
But uh, unlike that organization, uh, we have the ability sometimes to subside the storms, to try and get at them before they become hurricanes, if you will. And uh, the disciples of Jesus must accept the fact that God has appointed us as watchmen. This is what the first reading is getting at for each other. Uh, just as he appointed the prophet Ezekiel over the people of Israel, so we have a duty that binds us in love, not any kind of love, covenantal love called hased, which is meaning taking care of the person uh, in our community. And we always reach beyond, but um, and that means the responsibility to warn others of the danger uh, that they may be putting themselves into, whether it be physical or emotional or spiritual. And my friends, I think about uh, locally families, uh, parents, um, their teens get really angry with them when uh, they exercise their authority and warn them about all the different things that they're doing that maybe they shouldn't be. And certainly I hear from parents and they say, you know what, you know what my teen said? I'm not cool, I'm out of touch, and I should stop infringing on their rights. <laughs> That's so American. <laughs> The burden of those who are responsible for, like parents, they're responsible for their children, and that responsibility is great, and they must look after the well-being of their children. The failure to do this is going to regret and problems, uh, for sure. And, uh, uh, of course, we all know very well that it is not only young people who make mistakes. I make mistakes. Uh, folks make mistakes, and um, we make bad choices. And um, sometimes it happens... Uh, for instance, people want examples. When a marriage fails, a friend will go to one of the parties and say, I'm not surprised that it failed, I saw it coming. And in that moment, I would think that person would say, well, why didn't you say something to me about this? Why didn't you do something? And uh, another example is when a person loses a job, perhaps because uh, their behavior, uh, and uh, the situation described does not happen all of a sudden. It happens gradually and over time, and sometimes it's unnoticed, but oftentimes someone notices, and uh, it's unfortunate that no one had the courage or that type of love has said to stand up and say something, and uh, like, you need to change. You need to stop. The scriptures, both the first and the gospel, are talking about misbehavior. And my friends, uh, make no doubt about this. I know people are like, well, the scriptures say, judge not lest ye be judged. That's not what the scriptures actually say. That's not what it means. Because this gospel is about judgment. You're judging something. What Jesus was really telling you was, don't condemn people. Leave that to my Father. But we must make decisions about things. And in particular, the scripture is talking about bad, some bad behavior, something that's wrong. And the second reading tells us how to go about it. You don't do it in anger. You don't do it to get vengeance on the person. You don't do it to cause them harm. You do it to get them to convert, to change, uh, to change that decision, to change that path. And um, this is what uh, Mother Church must do. Folks sometimes lose their sense of direction uh, emotionally and spiritually in life. And could it be that no one said anything to them? No one bothered 
enough to say anything because people say, well, it's none of my business. It is your business. The first reading says, it is your business. As a matter of fact, the way God posed it was, if I tell of the wickedness and you don't do anything to help your family member or friend, surely the person who does the wicked thing will die, but I will hold you responsible. I don't want that on my head. <laughs> so we do have a responsibility. Now I'm, I'm going to narrow it down. I'm talking about our community. I'm talking about our church and our community because that's what, how Matthew poses it. He's talking about his community. Universally, we can apply it uh, to larger things. You can put it in your family. My friends, in truth, we know it is never easy to warn others that they are endangering themselves, especially their soul, or that they are about to trip and fall. But, like the prophet Ezekiel, we have been made watchmen, if you will, over each other. The duty which we have binds us to love another. This includes obligation to warn them about spiritual dangers in their lives. Excuses do not relieve us of our covenantal obligations. And we cannot excuse ourselves by presuming the person uh, we're going to talk to won't listen, uh, they won't care, or I'm going to make them upset and angry. We don't want to do that. Uh, or it's going to be very uncomfortable. Uh, well, my friends, I don't, I don't, I'm not online. I don't have a footprint online, but all of you guys do. And I see things on Facebook, told about Facebook, and now X, which is formerly known as Twitter, where people have lots of opinions. They say lots of things. So you do get in people's business. <laughs> but how you're going about it, I think, might be wrong. So, um, my friends, we come together as a community at Mass. We come together to worship our Lord. Uh, we offer our prayers together for the whole world and for each other, for our communities. And we ask for God to rain his grace down upon us. And all of this should help us to always walk in the right ways. And we know that the right thing is to, to, to realize our responsibility for each other and to take action appropriately. And we take things to prayer, and that disposes us uh, to walk in the ways of Christ and to speak the way Christ would. And um, one of the greatest harms we can do uh, to another when they're facing dangers is to do nothing. To do nothing. I know people get angry with Mother Church, uh, but my friends, um, these scriptures, Matthew, the way Matthew presents it, on the one hand, you all know that uh, we have one God, but there are three persons. I know, you're like, Father, oh, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Don't do this to us. But I'm bringing it up because God is community. God is family. And he designed us to be the same way. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be ultimately united as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are united. And so, Part of this reading, when he says, where two or three are gathered, there I am, he is talking about community. And what he's saying is, I'm going to be present. He didn't say, where two or three are gathered in the brick building that you made for me in my honor. He said, uh, yeah. He says, wherever my people gather, there I will be. And now often people 
read this, and it's not wrong. Uh, they, they'll read it as, where two or three people gather in my name and pray, uh, I'm going to give them what they want. <laughs> Y'all know that don't work, right? Because <laughs> I've been praying for something for a long time and got my friends praying for it, and I didn't get it. <laughs> so it's not that. Um, but there's something else going on. In the context of which Matthew writes this, it is about judgment. It is about a pronouncement. Because it says, whatever you bind, and Jesus is speaking to the apostles, whatever you bind is bound, and whatever you loosen is loosened. This is judgment. And what he's saying when two or three of you gather as a community and you make a decision, there I am in your midst to ratify what it is, I'm, what it is about you're going to do. Now, we are humans and we make mistakes. And I'm going to be very careful. Myself, any other priest, uh, any bishops, any cardinals, any pope, if they make the wrong decision, we make a wrong decision, the Holy Spirit will come and push us right back in line the way we're supposed to be. We just have to be patient. So when this happens, come, when you do, yeah, the Holy Spirit. Who's in charge of the church? Jesus Christ. Um, who's guiding it here locally? The Holy Spirit. Who's supposed to be listening to the Holy Spirit? The Archbishop. <laughs> and us. We, don't, we have the same responsibility. But so when that pronouncement is made, Matthew is saying God will be present in those decisions. But be prayerful about it. So he's saying, pray about it, and when they come together, they're going to make. That's why he said, in the end, if all else fails, take it to church. Matthew meant to the local, so uh, whoever was in charge of Matthew's church, take it to them, and they will discuss it, and uh, not to beat up someone, but to try and correct, to try and convert, and to help the person, not harm them. So we must do the same. So I'm hoping the scriptures, when I present it this way to you, this is how we can present it universally. But I want you to understand who was Matthew writing for, what was the situation, and how is it applied. Um, so this is one of the ways to definitely go about this. So I hope the scriptures make more sense to you now and you understand. And this is also why uh, for us, when Mother Church makes, I may not like it, you may not like it, but here it is. And Christ is with that decision. And if it was a mistake, he will fix it. Maybe in a hundred years, but, but when you have eternity, what are you going to do? You know, eternity at the blink of an eye, right? So let us have that kind of faith and confidence, and let us be community. Let us be family. And we don't turn in only on ourselves, meaning anyone else we don't talk to. Because I know um, it, in the scriptures it said, look, if it all else fails, treat him like a Gentile and tax collector. In Matthew's time, tax collectors and Gentiles, they were sinners, and they shunned them. But Jesus kind of, here's the tension of scriptures. Jesus said something about that. What did he say? I'm coming over to your house for dinner. <laughs> That's what he said to the sinner. I'm coming to your house. So when Matthew says, treat them like a tax collector, a Gentile, what did Jesus do? He went to their house just because? No, he went to be persistent with them. He never, he never gave up. He never gave up on anyone. But ultimately, if someone wants to walk away, he let them. He did. So we should never give up on anyone in our community, ever. But be persistent. Amen? Amen.
Nevin's uh, uh, our patron. Uh, he died in uh, 1305. He was canonized in 1446. He's an Augustinian monk, and uh, uh, they have uh, 300 miracles attributed to him. Well, we call miracles, but God doing his business, as he normally does. It's miraculous to us, but it's just God doing what God does, fixing things. But um, 300 miracles attributed to our patron saint, one, lots, of, lots of ones, but there's one big one that is written about, uh, about 300 children who, my understanding, were very, very sick and were going to die. And through the intercession of St. Nicholas, they all survived. So it's a good, he's a good saint to call upon for your children. And uh, uh, there were many other things uh, attributed to him. We have Tolentine bread, that it's bread that I blessed, uh, using the prayer that's been ascribed for it. And uh, if you don't know the story, Nicholas is dying. He's on his deathbed. And he's a monk, so I'm assuming the other monks are around him because that's what the monks do. They, when you have that kind of community, they just come around and hang around with them and uh, do a vigil. So, uh, as the story is, Mary appeared to Nicholas. I'm sure that was not the first time she was there, but there's, here we are. And Mary tells him, get out of bed and go over to the table. So I'm sure his brother monks probably got him up. Nicholas probably said, get me up, get me over to the table. What's on the table? On the table is crusty bread. And Mary's like, dip it in water. So he dipped it in the water and ate it. And from that moment on was cured. So every time he went to visit someone who was sick, he would take bread with him and dip it in water and give it to them and let God do what he needs to. Amen.